Welcome, adventurer, listener, and kindred soul. You are listening to Starlight, a Dungeons and Dragons space opera podcast on the Ink and Virtue Network. Whether a new friend or an old one, we are glad to have you along for the adventures. The Ink and Virtue Network is dedicated to delivering stories of epic proportions straight to you. Whether it's listening to the impromptu adventures of Squad Luma or diving into the manuscripts of an author, there is something here for everyone. You can support the show by rating it, sharing it with a friend, or finding your way to our network's coffee page where donations help us to keep the magic alive. We appreciate you, and fare thee well, Spacer. Travel safely across the great expanse. Here we go. Roll for initiative. Yo, 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 what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Starlight. And this time we're flipping over from the adventures of Ray and that kind of just dark, depressing storyline to another one as we come back over to Atlas as he makes his first foray into the Astral Sea and a lot of other emotional fallout. Um, as usual, I'm Isaac Yorks, your gm and host and with me in the studio i have with me i'm nathan coots and i play alice cool and nathan so atlas again leveled up i know it seems probably really quick to people who are listening but again we're playing milestone so anytime the players hit something uh, an important milestone either in their character development or in the story you kind of start doling out the level so you just went from um was it level seven to level eight? Yeah. Okay, give us the rundown on some of the differences in health and any abilities or stats, all that sort of stuff. Okay, um, so for level eight, I took, rather than a feat, I just took the ability score improvement. Um, so now I have 20 strength and 16 con. Uh, my health went from 71 to 85. Other than that, not too much. And with the going up to the 20... H, or 20 stat in your strength, did that modify mm-hmm. all, all of your stats or did it stay the same? No, it does. I mean, it modifies like my hit okay. chance. So it did um, increase things by like a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it modifies things in my damage, my hit chance. All right, so we got Beef Tank in the in the house and uh, I don't know, why don't we, why don't we jump into this episode of Starlight? Neuralink, access memories. Accessing. In the wake of betrayal, Atlas and Fablegloom flee into the iridescent sweeps of the Astral Sea and make way for Fablegloom's mysterious order. Memories retrieved. 
Before we get going, why don't we start with a roll for inspiration? Um, you versus me. Let's go, baby. That's an three. A three? Ah, oh, 18. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is going to be one of those. Starting off strong. One of those nights. Yep, already. Okay. I thought I'm not playing for a little bit, you know, would uh, build up my luck, but it didn't work. Where we pick up on is everything light, sound the breath from your air getting constricted and then getting released as you suddenly drop into the astral sea your mind is just it is it is moving at hyperspeed you can feel your brain rattling in your head the pulse going through your temples your heart thudding against your chest because someone you just cared about passed Jonah as far as you know lies dead at the hands of the shade of Nagubu. And even now, as the the base that was once in the material plane has somehow been transported to Fablegloom's realm, the Astral Sea, it is beginning to split and open up where you can see an infinite expanse of space and stars. Oddly enough, you can breathe the little bits that you you can see of the sky as it's ripping the the ceilings ripping apart is this just deep blue color instead of that complete just sable black of space not that that matters neither does the crackle of your comlinks matter as uh, as fablegloom's voice comes in and out you can't even really understand it as you look around, all the electronics are kind of haywire. Nothing seems to be working in this moment. You look back up at the expanse, and you can see the pirates' dreadnought floating, sundered, sundering into pieces as parts of it starts cracking and falling off. And then that's you when you hear, through it all, just these the cries from around the corner as Hala is just crying and saying, wake up, wake up. You gotta wake up. You are free. You are no longer under the command of Nagubu or his shade. What do you want to do? Do I see any um, immediate like threats in the vicinity? You can either make a perception or survival roll. 11. No, there's no threats. None at all. As you look back to where the shade of Naguvu came from, all you see is that crystal just falling apart, just kind of like shrinking in on itself and falling into this pile of black sand. Yeah, Alice will get up, and then I'll just go see if I could find Jonah's body. Okay. It's easy enough as you follow the cries of Hala as they turn to muffled sobs, as you round the corner and in just plain as day in this maintenance hallway that then kind of enters into another chamber you see Jonah's body there he is face down on the ground and sure enough there is a puddle of red ichor just pooling around his body he lies in between two racks that has all of these canisters on top and underneath it as well. 
Hala looks up at you, and she says, he, he was just trying to protect me. I didn't mean for any of this to happen. Please tell me he's not dead. He always tried to help me. I was just too scared to talk to him. He would, he would try and tell me jokes when we were in the cells to make me laugh. Please, you have to help him. Alright, Alice will put his hand on her head and then uh, kneel down towards Jonah. Is Jonah's eyes open or anything? Yeah, the eyes are kind of like halfway open and it looks almost like like he's staring past everything into something else. Alice will reach down and close Jonah's eyes and then as you go and you close his eyes they close and leave him in almost like a sleeping repose but the flesh the body is as cold as a glacier the body should still be warm and even then as you kind of like you're almost kneeling in a little bit of the pool of blood that feels like ice water and you can see the edges already kind of crystallizing Alice is going to kind of try to talk and he's just going to say like whatever you are do you have a ways of communicating or are you still in there go ahead and roll a uh, persuasion roll two there's just like the faintest tug of whispers at the edge of your ears but it's all incoherent and it's as if someone's you know if they were to whisper from across the room and as quickly as it comes it's gone and the the blood kind of stops freezing and whatever residual magic seems to kind of start to fade away mm-hmm Okay, with that, Alice will pick up Jonah's body, kind of like a uh, like a princess carry type of way, and then look over to the girl and say, "We have to go." Oh wait, wait, wait! You said there's canisters. Was the the canisters or whatnot? I remember. I think from the last episode, it was all like all the like it was like the dragon egg things, right? None golden, just regular. Okay. I have an idea. I'm gonna look toward uh, Alice. Will look towards the girl and say, "Choose one, what? whatever, whichever one the whichever one of these calls out to you. Pick one." The these things, the eggs. Yes. She looks a little uncertain. She looks back and forth, and then hesitantly grabs one from a canister and it's it's about probably two feet tall nice and round and so she's just like holding it with both hands up to her chest if you want to pay your debt back to Jonah you will raise this egg and get revenge on what you saw today she looks at you and looks at the egg and she casts just her gaze down on top of the egg and hugs it just a little bit tighter and then follows after you 
you said now you're you're making your way back, trying to make your way back to the the docking bay. Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to get back to the ship. As you guys start hurrying back to the ship, there is something strange that you can feel happening. As you go to take a footstep, you find that half the time you're walking, and at other points, you're actually walking on air, as if almost like taking like these large like moon steps. And then in your rush, you continue doing that and you realize you're actually starting to kind of float along at the same clip that you're walking. In the astral sea, speed and movement speed is affected. So your your current speed is uh, three times your intelligence modifier. As you continue going, as the, there's still like these ripples and flashes and these kind of like bangs as this entire area starts to solidify more and more into the astral plane. Those long movements, those floating movements, it's almost as if you suddenly, so there's like a switch that goes off in your your brain of being able to move. Your legs just don't seem like they're working. You can't will yourself to move, but you're still floating. So you start grabbing the walls and pulling yourself forward. <clears throat> Meanwhile, behind you with the egg still tucked to her, you look back and you see Hala, like, vertical, like Superman, oh, well, not Superman, but, like, flying behind you, much much mm-hmm. slower. You can see that top of that halo floating above her head has just dimmed to a, a very dull, rustic yellow. You start to pass all of the places that you've been by, the various comm units, the, the mainframe. You even pass the Nightmare Warframe, and you see that it is just... It is completely zapped. It is sparking. And you start to put together that all electronics just aren't working. Your common link isn't working. The doors are have pretty much opened. Those that are shut, they are as easy as just lifting the emergency latch on it and pushing it up. So you, you eventually get back to the elevator, which you, even though that's not working, you go through the hatch. You and Hollis start making your way up. And you do start to retrace your steps though as you get to the back up into the base proper that was empty and sterile and metallic you hear other voices shouting and it's just like a cacophony of 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 chaos and as you push your way through the, the elevator shaft doors you see like three pirates just floating confused one of them looks at you and and he goes to to touch his gun and then but he, he just they, they stop there. They're more freaked out about what's going on. I'd like to launch a tactical spear. The first one I see. 17. Slams into the pirate. He goes flying back and it jabs into the wall, piercing him through the sternum. He's not dead, but the others... Go ahead and roll an intimidation check. 21. 18 plus 3. 20... Oh my god. The other pirates, the other two, just they they drop their, their weapons, which float lazily, and and they go, please, 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 please. One of them gets down into a ball and just starts crying, and he goes, where are we? Where are we? I know this is kind of brutal, but when I'm walking by, can I use my tail just to, like, casually just kill them both? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you don't even need to roll. Um, my tail just kind of slides out, and then with the first one, I just right through his chest and then just kind of do like a little whip of my tail and just kind of like obviously you can go floating away or whatever 
And then the other one decapitates him. And then he's walking towards the ship. You come to the bay, you can see that the dragon is completely fired up. It is floating there. The kind of fleshy rampway is open. And as you look around, again, you see none of the robotics are working. You see that the the bay gates are open. The laser field's not across them. You look back up to see where Pops's robot was, who turned out to be an assassin bot up in the the dock master's tower and you can just see that that black window that you couldn't see into just has this huge gaping hole and you see this robot's body just kind of like in pieces floating just blown to bits and you guys make your way into the dragon to find fable gloom waiting with the ship fired up we need to get out of here there are still many pirates running around through here it's gonna not gonna be long before they realize that only organic matter is making its way in and out as he fires up the dragon and begins to pull it out of the bay. Alice will find somewhere to set Jonah down. Holla stands beside you. She looks at you and looks at Jonah's body. And she raises the egg up to hand to you. I'll take the egg from her for a second. <laughs> she draws in a big breath kind of straightens her shoulders and the halo above her head kind of gains a little bit of color. She walks over to Jonah's body and she very tentatively places her hands on his chest. She forces herself to look him in the eyes and as she does that she then breathes in again and this time on the out breath this circle of light begins to just illuminate the room as if drawn with a, a a golden chalk around the room, you see the circle begin to appear, and these almost angelic type fonts, squigglies kind of like appearing on the the outer edges, and a a light that begins to emit upward. Hala herself begins to emit that light. Her entire body becoming this this bioluminescent color that drowns out any of the clothes she's wearing until she is nothing but a sphere of just heavenly light. And you can tell that she's trying to pour this all into Jonah's body. And yet the body resists it. And then she falls to the ground with a as the light around her begins to fade and the circle begins to slowly erase. You are in the circle, however, Atlas, and you gain 10 die 4 of HP back. 19. So you gain 19 HP back. Hala's like, Halo again fades, and she goes, I couldn't help them, and I couldn't help him. I'm sorry. And the tear falls down her cheek onto Jonah's chest as she walks over and takes the egg from your hands. And then she leaves the room. 
You now have gained Hala as a follower. Um, I'm gonna look over to Fablegloom, if possible. Ask him if we go to where you're from. Will there be a way that I can gain access or awaken the egg? I do not know if the order has a way of awakening the egg, but they have the knowledge, certainly. What else could I gain from going to where you're from? Context. You would understand what game you are standing here in the middle of. You would no longer be this pawn thrust back and forth, but perhaps a player. My order could make sure that you were a player in that. And yes, there are many secrets and ways of knowing that they have that you could gain power from. Well, Alice will stand up. He'll look over to mm -hmm. Fable Gloom and just tell him to set course to... What, your temple? Set course to the Harpers. I... I can do that. But Atlas... If you... Become a threat that could harm lives in this world... The material world... And others outside of it... I feel that we are bound beyond any normal friendship would be, and so I will not lie to you. If you prove to be a threat, they will try to eliminate you. The Harpers are good, and they seek out to destroy evil. Alice will... Because he's kind of walking back towards the, his, uh, but like his room. He's going to look back and he's just going to smile back at Fable Gloom and say, Good luck with that. We are going to cut over to. Fablegloom's point of view. As he's one with the dragon, he is piloting it out of the wreckage. Some of the asteroids that came with the shift did everything, but he's not quite setting the course yet. As he changes up to head completely upwards with the dragon towards a giant mass of flesh that he can see. It is a slight light purple and it, but it's more of like kind of like that pale moonish color of with a tinge of purple. And it's this large monstrosity that is easily the size of a skyscraper in length. It is curled up into a ball. It has these two little beady black eyes and it has dozens and dozens of little legs that all just kind of reach out and are grabbing little pieces of debris and pulling it into this this mouth that works more like a like a suction and it just 
Fable Gloom's way in and out of the Astral Sea on command is this otherworldly tardigrad. A normally indestructible, minuscule creature, but it has been completely warped through the various different planes of existence, and he begins to take the dragon through a series of circuits. In his mind, he knows that he is bringing the dragon into a mating dance, following the patterns that would lull the tardigrad back to it. I need you to go ahead and roll for Fable Gloom a maneuverability check. A nat 20. So as he as he begins moving it back and forth in this kind of cosmic dance, the tardigrad stops grabbing pieces and both of the eyes focus in on the dragon. Ostrad now begins twirling the ship into these kind of like beautiful poetic designs of movement. And this is where it might be a little bit tough. He's going to add his charisma roll to it. And his charisma has a plus one and the Tardigrad's DC is 14. That is a uh, net 20. The Tardigrad lets whatever bits of rock and and little bits of the dreadnought kind of fall out of its suction mouth and fable gloom kind of smiles to himself as he sees these pores start to open up all over its body and this like greenish liquid begin to leak out of the tardigrad until the tardigrad shrivels up to something that could fit into a side satchel fable gloom brings the ship around lowers the ramp and goes out and collects it and puts it into the pouch and from there, this travels for the Astral Sea began. Okay. That's your very weird way of traveling in and out. Okay, so a few interesting things about the Astral Sea. In the Astral Sea, you always know where your destination is. Um, you know the direction and how long it's going to take to get there. So to get to the portal that will take you to where you need to go, back to the material plane, uh, we're going to roll a die six to determine whether it's minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, or years. And then once that's determined, you're gonna roll a die 100 and that's how long it will be. You could years? Be, I could be in here a hundred years? One equals minutes, two equals hours, three is day, so on, so on. Four is weeks, five is months, six is years. So go ahead and roll a die six. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to roll as low as you can. It's not six. It's not six. The worst die. Holy shit. <laughs> so it is an eight minute journey. In eight I'm minutes, like, Fable Gloom kind uh, of like calls God, for you. I'm so scared. As you come to the front, he hands you the the goggles at the dais that allow like you to see to through the ship. Again. And ahead, you see this silvery Fuck. disc floating within the astral sea. It can't be more than a couple centimeters in width. And it is probably a couple hundred feet. This is our way home. 
at the very edges of the silver disc, you see a few random, they almost look like squid-like creatures that are kind of like floating there. There's four of them. They are all attaching to each other using their their tentacles. Those are Gith riders, merchants. They wait for those of your kind who know about our world to come in and out to trade. Here, there's no need for food or water or even sleep. It's a strange world. But we... We use doubloons to trade. And he kind of shuffles in his bag. He pulls out what looks like a clear rock. I have two doubloons with me. This one is empty. He shows you a full one, and it almost has this, like, it's almost clear as well, but you see that there's, like, almost a strange glitter in it, as if someone filled it with water with a little glitter. Here, many creatures feed off the life force of others. Doubloons, we use them as a form of payment. Our kinds eat it. Uh, mind flayers do as well in other things, though. Mind flayers prefer other forms of sustenance. These merchants wait for creatures with more life force than is often found here to trade. He points ahead and he says, and We can pass by, but I thought I'd offer you the chance to peruse some of the strange and often wondrous artifacts of our world. Should I pull a longer? Hmm. Yeah. As he pulls the dragon around, he turns it so that the ramp would open up into the actual top of this kind of squid-like creature. And you realize that the top is more like a jellyfish, kind of like this cellular structure that you can pass in and out. The ramp opens up into it, piercing through and allowing you to walk through this membrane into a living creature that has been raised and turned and grown into a form of, of travel within the Astral Sea. There you see, in this one particular, you see at least eight other gith that look very similar to Fable Gloom. Almost all of them are hairless, minus small amounts of whiskers, either on the chin, long bits of hair coming off the eyebrows, or even mustaches. And they are dressed in these often shirtless, almost like a Greek type of robes and stuff like that. They begin talking to Fable Gloom. Fable Gloom begins speaking to you and translating, and he says, uh, They have many goods. I've vouched for you in... They will bring them out. There are a few items of interest that come up. And some things that... Uh, strange abilities that the Gith know how to do. Or these ones do. Learn from faraway lands called the Shadowfell. And one of which happens to be... This form of tattooing that imbues... Unearthly powers... From the resonances taken from these other planes of existence. Another thing that catches your interest is this huge double-bladed axe. It is silver, which means that it can cut the tethers of astral projectors in the astral sea. Down the center, there is this just streak of red. The tip at the, at the very top that comes off of the shaft of the, of the axe has this point, and it has just kind of like this normal leather handle. 
That is a berserker axe. The next thing that they bring up of interest is this ancient iron flask. And the flask has what looks like demons' faces molded into them. Some are sticking their tongues out. Some have their hands up behind their ears, almost in like a, a playful repose. But they very carefully put it back into the box that it came from. And Fable Gloom leans over and he says, There's dark forces with that one. Next, they hold up a cube that looks like it has all sorts of dials and nozzles on it. And the cube looks like it's made of complete glass. And then lastly, they hold up this small little ball. And when they touch it, it suddenly gives off this bright sense of daylight. And they push it and it kind of floats up above everything. And that's the drift globe. In my mind right now, it's between tattoo or flask. They're both going to cost me the same amount of HP. I'm going to pull out the yellow Ayun stone and ask if this would be worth anything. Fable Gloom kind of cocks his head at you. If it doesn't say anything. And relays what you'd said, asking if it was worth the trade. And the Gith confer amongst themselves. They say... uh, They say that it's worth the trade for the drift globe and the cube of force. How much life does this thing equal to? He relays the message to them again. They respond. They say that it's worth three doubloons. What are you playing at? You and I both know that's priceless. And so do they. Alice will hand over the one of the doubloons and then sacrifice 15 HP to get that tattoo. It would be uh, 20 HP. Oh, because it's 25. The gift sit you down just as you hand over the doubloon and the tattoo. They each pull up these four empty doubloons. They hold the doubloons up to your chest. One of them begins kind of weaving with these strange words, weaving his hands over the doubloon, and you start to feel your life essence start to pull forth out of your chest and into each of the doubloons. Then they begin working on the tattoo. First off, they set up these chimes around you. And the chimes themselves all are like of a are off pitch. And as they're doing these chimes, one of them is doing that. Six of them are singing, and the last one is taking an old-fashioned just piece of metal that's been dipped in ink and using a hammer to just chisel the tattoo into your skin little by little by little. process ends up taking the equivalent of 12 hours or so to do by the time that they are done what does the tattoo look like the blood fury tattoo (laughs) so like shadowy chains wrapping up alice's arms to the front of his shoulders and then when it gets to his neck it'll kind of like turn into like a like a dark color uh there's gonna be like a slight, slight separation in the middle though like a space It's going to look like a metal, like, just prisoner's almost color. And then have on the back, it's going to have, like, that demonic, like, seal. 
And when they finish, you kind of like look at it in the mirror. It almost looks like a completely normal tattoo, except ever so slightly, if you look just enough, you can see that the ink is moving like a river back and forth very subtly as its own living force. Fable Gloom returns and he says, That is a look. Are you about ready to get going? We've already wasted enough time. I think with that, with our with our escape, with our power up, with our losses, that that's probably a good place to to call the game and jump into a different one down the road. So, all right, thank you guys for listening, and can't wait to see what is in store with the Harpers. See you later, spacers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. We hope this show brings you as much joy as it does for us to craft it. Significant effort on the order of 10 to 30 hours of editing goes into each episode, and though it is something we will do regardless, any support goes a long ways. If you would like to support the show, here are a few tangible ways in which you can. Rating it 5 stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Podchaser helps grow the show and allows us to broaden the audience to spacers who don't know their fans yet. Sharing it with friends or family does the same, and if you wish to donate to help keep our running costs low, you can do so at Coffee in the links below. Last but not least, a simple word of kindness and encouragement to our email below is enough to keep us going no matter what. Have a question or thought that you wish to be aired? Please reach out to us at thestarlightadventures@gmail.com at gmail.com or our social media on Instagram at starlight.adventures. Now... Until next time, spacers. <laughs> <laughs>